Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 498 of the milk bar. Jason Fryst here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we'll be finding out about the latest production from Birmingham Youth Theatre with Snow White appearing on stage and talking ahead to their forthcoming show in the middle of the year too. Uh, We'll be having a chat with Donna Dawson all about your New Year's resolutions and making sure that you get the most out of what you're trying to do in the new year. We'll have some fantastic music on the show. Michael Armstrong joining us for a bit of a chat and finding out about his latest album. And we have two trips to Dr. Doolittle. In a short while's time, we'll be hearing from Adele Anderson and Brian Capron about their parts in the show. But first of all, this is what happened on our nip to the Lowry up in Manchester to check out a show that comes to the Grand at the end of this month. Just when you need something to brighten up your January, Dr. Doolittle arrives at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre on the 29th, running right the way through until the 9th of February. I have two of the stars of the show with me now, Vicky Entwistle and Mark Williams. Hello to you both. Hiya. Hiya. So, I would tell us... Uh, a bit about your characters to begin with. I think, Mark, we better start with you because you're playing the Doctor himself, aren't you? Oh, I am. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Doctor Doolittle. Um, which... with, with Midlands accent? Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I assure you, it might. Um, yeah, uh, he, um, he's a fascinating bloke and I was really, really flattered to be asked. And I, He's one of those great um, individual characters. He's just is completely himself and a bit dysfunctional mm-hmm. to say the least so he's great fun to play mm-hmm. uh, and Vicky you get to, uh, a great role because you get to be companion uh, oh. and, but you don't actually have to be human do you? No it's been a challenge <laughs> um, because obviously I've got to do puppetry which I've never done before. So completely new to you that? Yeah and it's it's quite tricky because obviously you you think that you're getting it right but you haven't got the third eye so mm-hmm. I really had to rely on Jimmy Grimes, the puppeteer, you know, the director, he was fab. Yeah, and yeah it's because what you've got to do is be the animal, make her human because she is, you know, human and, and the doctor's kind of conscience and, and she guides him as best she can uh-huh. without being too cheeky. Um, oh, so you've about got, that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am cheeky. So you've got that and then you've got to kind of try and disappear at the same time. So it's quite a fine line, it's tricky. And as you say, you're not unused to working with animals anyway, are you, Mark? No. Really, I suppose, or with Dalmatians. There was, there was an owl yeah. in Harry Potter as well, wasn't there? Yeah, there was definitely an owl. Yeah, and the borrowers of, with with imaginary small people. Mm-hmm. I've done quite a lot of that. Um, but you, you, the whole um, process of acting is using your imagination mm-hmm. and communicating that to the audience. So it's not exactly a great leap. I um, mean, it's been it's been amazing, really. The one thing I I thought would be hard is not looking at the puppeteers but I don't you just blank them well no don't I just, take it personally you just, <laughs> no you're just completely focused on the on the animal yeah um and I always notice accidentally sometimes catch people's eye I mean very rarely only about twice have I done it and I've really noticed it so mm. I've been kind of shocked that so you've I've been quite it. surprised when there's someone on stage next to you and you thought it was just say a parrot or a, a yeah push me pulled you it's just hundreds of them sometimes <laughs> Where in the story does this fall? Because there were a series of books, weren't there? So how does yeah, it, how well, do you tell us Hugh, Hugh Lofting wrote the books um, as letters to his children from the trenches. Mm-hmm. And amidst all that carnage and appalling um, l- uh, life he was living, he, he wanted to invent a better world where people were better to each other. And his entry to that world was through animals and talking to animals. So in previous incarnations of Dr. Doodle in the film and on stage, they've used either real animals 
living animals or animatronics. Mm. Uh, but animatronics uh, can't really dance. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the best of both worlds, really. We've got the animals and their characters. So we've got a whole new set of characters. And they really are. I mean, they, they've got their own. They've got Jip and Polynesia, obviously, because mm -hmm. uh, she's the most vocal. But Polynesia, well, it's understandable, Vicky. You wouldn't have it any other way, would you? No. <laughs> I thought I was being quite... You know, oh, you're br it's brilliant. It's brilliant <laughs> what you do. But how do you approach being a parent then? Because it's, it's different. I think you've probably both done uh, work as voice actors, and uh, I know you certainly, if, if you're behind uh, a microphone in a booth watching something on screen, it's different to, to being the voice of something you're physically moving around. So, how do you approach that? I think I wanted to get the age of her because she's nearly 200 years old. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that crackle and that kind of you know, older lady voice yeah. kind of thing. And I was going to do a quite posh, you know, and then mm. the director said, no, 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 no. You know, we want, we want it to be really northern and, f and funny mm -hmm. and warm, you know. So but that's, you, what, that's, that's what you do too, so yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant <laughs> that because it, it gives, a mu it gives, she's got a m much more moral strength from being nor um, northern, northern somehow. Yeah. I don't know why, because if she's <laughs> posh, she's a, it, she just becomes a bit school mommy. Yes, and, she and, wouldn't and have the warmth, would she? No, not at all. And she's not, she's not, what, what her knowledge is, is from experience. That's what it, what it feels yeah, like to me. Yeah, mm -hmm. she doesn't dictate, she mm -hmm. tries to help. She does? <laughs> what are you That's about? from your point of view. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, a parrot being an animal which will sometimes talk in, in, in real life compared mm -hmm. to the others who it's going to take Doctor do little special skills to be able to understand. And that must be quite good for I mean, I'm sure you'd both like to be able Parrots to talk to the Parrots are the finest linguists in the animal mm -hmm. kingdom. Mm -hmm. um, I think... Honestly, the other the other puppeteers with this brilliant ensemble that we've got, yeah. they bring yeah, them to yeah. life anyway. They do speak without mm -hmm. speaking. Yeah, you know they're so clever that, like in the doctor's, we have a scene in a doctor's surgery and everybody's hands on helping the doctor. You know, and they don't have to speak English. They make their own animal noises and you know exactly what they're thinking. It's uh -huh. very very clever. And have you taken this maybe the step outside? You've gone outside the theatre door, tried to have a conversation with the chihuahua. We we had a thing we had a hey, thing in Bromley yes. where where the stage door is right by a park. Yeah, and uh, there was this fox mm -hmm. that we seemed to have hit the time when we came out. It, it was his beat, and he used to walk past us kind of regularly and go like, ah, all right. Um, so that was quite curious, but wasn't it? Night, we were quite shocked yeah, at we first. Were. It was like, and he the, walked up to us, and I went. Tomorrow, go on then. And he went, What? I said, Talk to him. So he did. <laughs> he knelt down, talked to him, and the fox stood there for ages, listened. I think the fox was going, who the <laughs> hell do you think you are? And I said, you can talk to the animals. Yeah, clearly he is Dr. Doolittle. It's yes. going to be all part of his life from this point forward. <laughs> 29th of January, right the way through to the 9th of February, Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. 01902 the box office number. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. Come and see these two and a huge cast of animals in a fantastic show. It's a joyous show. To work on and to watch. Oh, yeah. Well worth it. Check it out. Break a leg, have a great time. See you very much. Or break a wing in your case, I suppose. Or <laughs> break a beak. <laughs> <laughs>
Armstrong looking for the world, his single and the album it is taken from too. And he joins me on the line now to tell me all about the music. Hello, sir. Hi, Jason. How are you doing, mate? Very, very good, thank you. And I trust Christmas and New Year have treated you well? Yes, very nice, very nice. Yes, wasn't wasn't too busy. It's nice and relaxing and uh, too much food and, and, and booze, of course, but that's what it's all about. I think that's part of the festivity, isn't it? And it's part of that rock and roll lifestyle that fits in with how you've been working so hard plugging this album at the minute. Uh, I have been. It was a very busy, very busy, busy time leading up to Christmas, and um, I, I released it. Um, on the, it came out on the 23rd of November, which was the day after my 45th birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone said I shouldn't release it then because everyone releases an album at Christmas. So I was advised against it, but uh, <laughs> I was stubborn. I said no. I wanted to get it out to, because I, you know people have been waiting so long for it. It's taken me two years or more to record it. It's, it has and, been young uh, since we last sat down and spoke about the previous album. So that is yeah, yeah, the... 2015. It was so it's taken me a while, but uh, no, I'm pleased to say that it, it did really well when it first released and actually charted between. It was, it was sitting there between Queen and Robbie Williams on, on, on when it released. So I was absolutely thrilled. So uh, I proved everyone wrong. So I'm pleased about that. <laughs> well, good, good results and uh, a bit of good album. And I mean, again, it's been that long, but everyone's been waiting for it. Where where's the music come from this time? Because I know last time there was a a lot of backstory to all the songs on the album. There's always a story to my songs, Jason, because that's the kind of songwriter I am. You know, I, mm-hmm. I write from the heart, and I write you know observational songs, I guess. And you know, just there are some older songs on the album, and there's a lot of new stuff. But some of them, are, when I say older songs, they're songs that I had written. I mean, one of them I wrote when I was about sixteen. Wow. So, um, you know, I've still got a huge backlog of songs and I'm always writing songs. So material is never a problem for me. It's What I usually do is I go to a producer. I did the first album, Man, with this album, and said to him, OK, here's 100 songs that I've written. What ones should we record for the album? <laughs> and, and, the, and the producers have to go and sort through it all and decide what they want to do, what they think will make a good album. Um, so, yeah, I did that again this time. But 
it's not for someone who writes. It's, it's not a political album in any respect, but it, it does touch on political times in one of the one or two songs, and I think that's inevitable because we're living through a very interesting time in politics. And mm-hmm. if you're a songwriter who writes about life and what's happening, then it's not something you can ignore. We'll leave it there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we'll see how that works out on some of the tracks on the album. Have you got a favourite? Obviously, the single's going to be up there, but is there a, do you, I mean, do you have like favourite songs at different times, depending on on your mood, hence the, the mood that matches when you wrote them? I think it does depend on the mood. You know, sometimes songs are, are a challenge to record and to get them to sound like you hear them in your head when mm-hmm. you write them, because often I write a song and I can hear, you know, I know roughly what I want it to sound like with the drums and which instruments and things like that. And so Periscope was a real tough one to get there. It's quite a complicated song. And so I'm really pleased with the way that turned out. And then on the opposite hand, there's a song called Rosie's Brother towards the end, which is fairly simple musically, certainly for the bulk of the song. And then it's got this great outro orchestra and things. And that's just, you can really get lost in that song. So, you know, but I'm, I'm proud of all of them. With that pride must come uh, the, the, the pleasure as well. And uh, when you're performing these live, I mean, is there, again, is it interesting to, to work with different people on the tracks when you're out there and about to performing them? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, when I when I toured the last album, um, I, I mainly toured as a solo act because it's so expensive to take a band on the road, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was out there playing just acoustic guitar and piano at shows. I did about two years of touring, toured with Leo Sayer and... Powell and Dean Friedman and some others, and, um, and this album is a very different kind of monster because it's it's not easy to play as a solo artist because it's a big production. There's a lot going on, so I'm I'm looking to do something with it, but it's not going to be until the summer, possibly the autumn, that we actually get to go out there and uh, do something with it. But uh, plans are afoot, but I can't reveal anything yet, and we'll actually just have to see how it pans out. I've actually been in the studio working on new material, so that's why I've spent most of Christmas. That is another great way of spending your festive period, I suppose, when you get time. <laughs> go out there it's and my favourite place to be inside the studio, you know, so you know, I've got a studio at home, so I get lost in there, so it's great fun. It sounds like uh, brilliant stuff. So where can we get it and what have we got on the socials so we can explore the album before we go out there and buy? Oh, goodness. Well, it's out. It's on Spotify and it's on Amazon and iTunes and HMV. And go to my website, which is www.michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk. YouTube and there's Facebook and there's all those things. Just look me up and you can check it all out. So go along, check it, and sit back and, and listen. If you had to give me a one-line sales pitch for the album, what would it be? It's got five-star reviews across the board, but one particular, the best one, you know, best, it's best for other people to say this, and, and I had a, a glowing review from a lady called Leslie Ann Jones, and Leslie Ann Jones is a music critic and biographer. In fact, she was recently, just before Christmas, the Sunday Times' top best-selling author of Bohemian Rhapsody, the Freddie Mercury story. Mm-hmm. And she put a quote up online. She named it as one of her albums of the year. And she said, it's it's an album with something for everyone. And it's an, it's a homage to music. And I think that sums it up better than I could, because that's exactly what it is. I'm a music lover. And, and you know, it is. It's, a, it's an homage to the, to the great music of the past. Well, it's going to be a great, great listen. So Spotify, just search for Michael Armstrong. You get a full back catalogue from me on there. And we're going to take another track now. So what should we listen to? Oh, should we play? I think um, let's go for a slower one, a romantic one. This is gold, let's play Gold Dust, which is uh, a song to my wife and kids. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, whilst I set that up, give us all the details again for the website, etc. Uh, it's www.michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk and Michael Armstrong Music everywhere on Facebook and all that kind of thing. Well, Michael, always good to talk to you. Always exceptionally good to listen to the music. Thanks again for joining us and we'll look forward to your latest work that you were putting together over the festive period. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. My wife, a childhood sweetheart. When there's trouble about, you're a rock. You are my life, a childhood sweetheart. Sound. It's understood Feels like lightning And it's sometimes frightening But you feel my way Love, don't you stop Ever loving me
On the 10th, 11th and 12th of January, Birmingham Youth Theatre brings Snow White to life and, and back again, I suppose, on stage over at the Old Rep. To tell us more, I'm joined now by one of the writers, Joe Logan. Hello. Hello. So you've been uh, crafting away at the script alongside Adam Swift and you're putting yes, this on stage with a fantastic cast. Oh, they're amazing. Absolutely amazing, these kids. They work so hard. It's going to be such a fantastic show. So well, what's the starting point for the script? Obviously, you've got the basic story. Uh, Snow yeah. White, I'm guessing there's uh, some people of diminutive stature in there as well. Oh, of course. So the, the starting point, obviously, went way back to the original fairy tale. But the, the thing is with Snow White is it's one of those hard ones to turn into a panto because unlike things like Cinderella, where it's so clear that you're going to make your dames your ugly stepsisters, you haven't got that with Snow White. You've got, you've got Snow, you've got the Queen, you've got the mirrors and you've got the dwarves. So it's taking the, the original Snow White and we've just added so many twists and turns along the way that it's not what you guys will know as Snow White, but it's surely going to be a great show for everyone to enjoy. So what's your age range of actors in this one? So our age ranges go from 9 to 20, um, and the little ones really, really do shine in this show. Uh They're all so incredible, and it's been their turn really to step up and jump into these leads, and they have just taken it on board so well. And the shows are always well-received. I know I went to see uh, the one that's based all around the 80s uh, music uh, earlier on, uh, well, last year, and that was a treat in itself. And you just don't stop because you've got Guys and Dolls coming up in June as well. So, you know, you're keeping everybody busy. Yeah, we're very excited for Guys and Dolls, which we're launched on the uh, 20th of January at um, West House School in Edgbaston. Everyone is welcome to that. We'd love to have some new members. We're always welcoming. We're such a big family, and we really want some new people to come and join our family because I was a member when I was younger, and now I'm back on the production team just showing how much of a family BYT is. And that takes place on the Sunday. It's from 10 through to 1, and it's an open session. Yes, it is to everyone and anyone. Come and join us and come and have some fun. So you fit in with that age range of between, what, around 9 to 20 and come and be part of it? Yeah. We'd love love to see some new faces. Well, we're saying that's down there at West House School. That's in Edgebaston. And as you mentioned, (coughs) new members are welcome. But all importantly, if people want to get tickets for Snow White, uh, I know that it's selling well, so they need to get in quick with tickets, don't they? 100%. 100%. Saturday matinee is pretty much sold out. Your best bet is looking at the Thursday or the Friday night. So contact at birminghamyouththeatre.co.uk if you want to get in touch, whether it be about Snow White or the uh, event welcoming uh, new members and old for guys and dolls yep. on the open down the 20th. Uh, or you can actually call through on 07910 <laughs> 07910-833-242. That's Kerry. She can sort you out in more details on everything that's going on. And, of course, you can just get in touch with the theatre and get your tickets that way as well. Yep, amazing. So do it, get involved, and have a great time seeing Snow White at the Old Rep. It's three days of productions, the 10th, 11th, and 12th. Make sure you get along. And with your script, I I take it you've had the chance to be topical and have a bit of fun as well. Yeah, 100%, 100% topical. A laugh for everyone in the audience. That should be absolutely fantastic. Snow White from Birmingham Youth Theatre, all down there at the Old Rep Theatre, oldreptheatre.co.uk, and that's on Station Street in Birmingham, B54DY. You guys keep up the good work. We look forward to Guys and Dolls in June, and we'll continue to enjoy the rest of your productions. Thank you. Thank you so much. Waking up on the roadside, stuck on a high tide, covered Solid need in a 
attention No sooner I mentioned She answered me sweetly Well I had plenty of karma A fistful of kings And a woman who seemed to believe me But I'm still here alone
We're not even a week into the new year and people are already giving up on their resolutions with a quarter of Brits simply saying they cannot stick to them. To tell us more, I'm joined by TV psychologist Donna Dawson. Hello. Good afternoon. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you too. So, I mean, what's going on? How are you getting on with your resolutions? Dare we ask what they are? Well, my resolutions never change. It's the general resolutions that hit the top of the pole every year, and that's, you know, lose weight, get more fit. And in fact, in the survey that I was uh, just involved in, the Dr. Edgar Restaurante in partnership with Corn, they researched 2,000 Brits to find out what was going on with resolutions. 59% of them said that they weren't even making them anymore because they were too afraid of failure or knew that they couldn't stick to them. But 72% actually said that if they had a smaller resolution, they'd have more success. So maybe if you look at it more of a lifestyle change you happen to do at the start of the year, rather than piling on the pressure to say, it's a resolution and my entire world is going to change, we can actually do a lot better. Yes, I think it's about picking a, a, a more realistic resolution that we can actually fit into our present lifestyle without too much upheaval. And it's about thinking it through, maybe brainstorming ideas that will help you to achieve it, looking at the positives and negatives in your lifestyle as it is now to see what's working for you and against you in terms of keeping that resolution. But yeah, I think we tend to make two big sweeping resolutions and expect, as you say, life-changing events to occur quite quickly and what happens is we either get bored with the effort or we just um, feel deprived and then we rebel and then we cheat and then we feel bad about it and then we think what's the point and we give up <laughs> yes well, for, <laughs> that's the trend for, it is it is 44 percent of people actually said that breaking the, re- the resolution left them feeling disappointed so they now yeah. feel worse than if they hadn't done anything in the first place you, we're setting ourselves up for failure and and this is not if you think about it Okay, it's the first of a new year and you want to start fresh, new clean slate, make changes. But it couldn't happen at a worse time because it's following a period of excess. We're kind (laughs) of expected to go from uh, overindulging to no indulging. You know, it's like cold turkey. (laughs) It's very hard to do. Literally, I I found that out last week, to be fair, but there we go. So, I mean, what do we do do next then? Because uh, there's there's lots of great great ways of approaching this. It sounds like you've got a plan which could actually make us feel better. Well, first of all, we need to break the goal down into smaller, more manageable steps. So, for instance, if you're going to go vegan in January and uh, go meat-free, you don't have to go treat-free. You can find tasty alternatives to, to meat that will make you want to stick with it. And similarly with things like exercise, are you really going to go to the gym three times a week? Or more realistically, is it going to start off you know, in a flurry and then resolve itself into once on a weekend? Be um, kind of realistic about what you can achieve and not not what you want to achieve in, in an ideal world, but what you can actually achieve in your everyday life. And let it be a goal that you really want to do as opposed to one you feel you ought to do. There's a difference because the oughts and the shoulds, uh, those are the things that we whip ourselves with. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that are going to make us give up more quickly because we don't really feel that motivated. So make sure there is a cause to have motivation to make you want to do it. Make sure it's not something that's going to be so difficult you're going to hate doing it anyway. But uh, do go along and make those small changes. And when it comes to our diet as well, it it is interesting to see what you you can and can't do. And if you are going meat-free, you say there are treats out there. What sort of things can we be looking out for? Well, uh, in, in terms of meat-free, I mean, uh, Dr. Edgar does uh, two new pizzas that are, I've got corn, 
chicken and corned bacon, which are delicious. Um, so, you know, you don't have to uh, not have a, a, a substitute meat that tastes wonderful. But, but also I'm thinking about the whole thing of reward. We do need something to keep ourselves going. We need motivation and we do need rewards along the way. We can't be completely deprived of treats because I think if you add them sparingly and you um, enjoy them uh, without guilt, that you will keep yourself going because it's, it's better to think about your goal as an ongoing process uh, rather than a one-off because you reach your goal, for instance, dieting, you've lost your target weight. If you relapse back into your old habits, you'll soon put it back on. So it's about being conscious of making changes as you go, being easy on yourself if you fail, pick yourself up and keep going because one failure does not mean the whole campaign is finished yeah um be kind to yourself i think that's the word um and find ways to make your resolutions easier um and if you can change your life to meet your goals that's fine if you can't then change the goal slightly but just make sure that um it's something you can achieve and that you really want to achieve and then you'll get there yeah, make sure it's something that you, you really desire. And they say when it comes down to having a bit of a treat, you say if you can do something guilt-free with a, a meat-free pizza, then you, you've, you've got it made, haven't you? You can have that pizza night in without all the, uh, well, I've done something I shouldn't have done. It's maybe, you know, you're having a few more calories than was on the original plan, but uh, they're calories which are good ones. I don't think it's even calories so much as uh, just something slightly different. I, I think that, you know, calories in one day... Uh, do not a campaign make. You have to look at your whole kind of weekly intake. And mm -hmm. so it's taking the longer view so that you don't feel a failure. We are the best at beating ourselves up and feeling that we're never going to get there. Uh, we just have to understand that life is an ongoing process and so are many of our goals. Uh, and we have to kind of go with the flow. Sometimes we'll do better than others. Uh, sometimes we'll choose to take a break from it all. Um, but, you know, we keep the goal in mind. It's something that we really want for ourselves, for our health. Um, and if they want more advice, they can go to uh, pizzarestaurante.co.uk. So pizzarestaurante.co.uk. That's R-I-S-T-O-R-A-N-T-E. I'm hoping you can spell pizza. I know I can. Well done. I did, I, anyone would <laughs> think I was reading it, wouldn't they? Uh, so uh, we'll look forward to making those small changes to make our lives so much better and really make 2019 our year to make it all work out the way we want it to. Sounds like a plan. Sounds, sounds great. You've got it. <laughs> Donna Dawson, TV psychologist, thank you so much for joining us. Have a brilliant 2019. You too. Thanks very much. Bye. He's running out of steam now and they're fracking hard trying to find some energy. So she tells me I should turn my back Boy, that girl gave me a heart attack Said leave him south of Wilshire But that bro ain't black Honey, have some dignity Oh, if there's a message in a bottle Coming back to earth He's been treading
From the 29th of January through to the 9th of February, Dr. Doolittle is on stage at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. Two of the stars of the show are Brian Capron and Adele Anderson. How are you doing? 
Very well, thank you. And me too. Good <laughs> stuff. Interesting roles for both of you. Let, who should we start with, Adele? Tell us a bit about your character. I play two different roles. Uh, Working your hard. In Act 1, I'm Lady Bellows, who basically runs the uh, village of Puddleby on the Marsh. She rules it with a rod of iron. She's mm -hmm. totally corrupt. Yeah. She hates Dr. Doolittle with a passion. She thinks he's completely bonkers. She uh, finds him very irritating. Mm -hmm. And he is her doctor, but he doesn't seem to have done very much for her. That's because he's not a very good doctor. And then in Act Two, I play a character called Poison Arrow. Now, this is a bit different, isn't it? Because this is a, a bit of an evil role, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Well, actually, Lady Bellows is quite evil yeah. as well. But Poison Arrow, yes. Proper uh, villainy in this for that one? Yes, uh, I play the younger sister of Straight Arrow. Mm -hmm. And we live on an island called Sea Star Island. And he's very benevolent and I want to take over the island and enslave all the animals and turn them into a zoo. Well, I shouldn't give all the whole of the plot no, away, no, no, no. Really. <laughs> but basically, also, I also don't like Dr. Doolittle. So uh, basically, I spend my whole show just trying to do bad things to Dr. Doolittle. OK, well, that, hopefully then, Brian, you're not quite so uh, is it, yeah, at, at odds with Dr. Doolittle himself. No, certainly not in the second half. In the first half, I play the circus owner, uh, Albert Blossom, who is a big boozy kind of character, a uh, very colourful character, uh, who has the one of the biggest numbers in the show, one of the most famous numbers in the show, which is uh, Never Seen Anything Like It, which was actually uh, played by Richard Attenborough in the film, so yeah. I'm doing it slightly differently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's a wonderful number to be part of, it's, it's brilliant. I take the push me pulley off him, which is the double-headed llama, yeah. um, so we, we exhibit it in the circus so that we make money for him to be able to find the pink sea snail, which is where Sea Star Island is basically. Mm. Sea Star Island is a floating island that goes around the world. Yeah. <laughs> so in the second half, I'm the head of the natives on um, uh, Sea Star Island. I no, play they're not natives. They're fellow, they're fellow well, anthropologists that you've collected they are, around the world. They are, but natives of the island, let's say, but they're oh. people that have been collected. Mm -hmm. yes. They've been collected over the years. So they're curated on the island themselves then, sort of. Yeah, yes. they're, they're, they're all, we're all quite quirky, let's yeah. say. Yes. And I play a character called Straight Arrow, which is a bit like David Attenborough, really. <laughs> so that's <laughs> a little connection there. And it's a complete opposite of the character in the first mm. half. Um, he's a rather lo lovable, bumbly character, and I have a lovely uh, song with him, one of the new songs that's been written, which I do with the company called Sea Star Island, which is a lovely, quite charming, witty little camp number. Let's say. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you both get some great songs in the show, don't you? And I mean, you, you're not adverse to singing in public, are you? Well, you actually, I've hardly do any singing Did in this at all. Yeah. No, I'd sing to the tune if I could talk to the animals, uh -huh. but I'm basically saying if I could control all the animals. This is a nice change for me, really, because most of the time with Fascinating Idol, I sing all the time, and this mm -hmm. time I hardly sing at all. But you get a few numbers, though, so that's... that's no, okay. I don't get a well, few numbers. I get one. Well, well one full one, then, OK. I get one, and that's <laughs> it. Do you, do you I, want more? Nice, do you feel nice, hard done to? Nice of you to big, big up my uh, my singing, but it, I just get one and, and, a, and a quarter of a reprise. There we go. Uh, I'm not complaining. Yeah, no, that's that's. Yeah, but that's what I get. That's what you're getting, which yeah. is good, and okay. we'll enjoy that. But then. he's got two big ones. So, so, and you're <laughs> jealousy then. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not really a singer, so I shouldn't really have any songs at all. <laughs> no, you'll be absolutely fantastic. I'm absolutely sure. It is at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre, the 29th of January through until the 9th of February. 01902 The box office number: GrandTheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. But thank you both, and have a great time on stage. Break a leg and enjoy your time with the animals. Thank Pleasure. You. Thank you. Cars on the road 
All is still where once it flowed Then deserted now bestowed There's too many cars on the road This Saturday, the 12th of January, Crohn's and Colitis UK have a coffee morning taking place at the Lighthouse in Wolverhampton. To tell us more, I'm joined now by volunteer coordinator Samantha Lawrence. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Well, good to talk to you. So tell us a, a bit about uh, your role within the organisation to begin with. So I am a events and awareness volunteer for the South West Midlands and Wolverhampton group of Crohn's and Colitis UK. Mm-hmm. Crohn's and Colitis UK is a national charity who provide uh, information and support services for those living with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. The conditions themselves are often not talked about because it's not the nicest thing to discuss at the dinner table very often, is it? No, not really. I mean, there are 300,000 people currently living in the UK who are diagnosed with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. And like you said, it's often not discussed at all, um, but hopefully... One of the main aims of the charity is to bring it to the forefront and raise awareness of 
people living in the with the condition and support services available. And the coffin warning itself gives the chance for people to get together and have a, an understanding of the condition and have just a bit of a chat and talk about yeah, whatever they want to talk about. Exactly. I mean, going from my own personal experience, I was diagnosed in 2014 mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, I don't even know what Crohn's disease is. So uh, it, it can be quite isolating. So having a support service available like the Coffee Mornings is great as you're able to meet people, family, friends, or who have experience of living with the condition. And it can be the fact it is possible to turn your life entirely upside down. Uh, as I've said when we've talked about such things on air in the past, I have ulcerative colitis. So I know what happened. It first started acting up when I was at university. Didn't really know what was going on. Assumed it was my poor diet. And then in my early 20s, I was having a right game. And it can be half an hour before before toilet visits. And that is really difficult when you've got a long commute ahead of you. And you find you spend your entire <laughs> life planning where the toilets are. And when this thing is then diagnosed and it can be brought under control, actually you feel so much like you've got your life back. You really want to go out and shout about it. Exactly. And like you said, it can very often happen within that age range. It can happen in late teens and early 20s is when most people receive their diagnosis. If anyone would like more information about Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis and support services available, they can visit crohnsandcolitis.org.uk and that will also uh, show events that are happening in the local area as well. Yeah, so we're talking about this one down at the Lighthouse on the 12th, this coming Saturday. So what time do people turn up? Yes, so the event is at the Lighthouse on Saturday the 12th of January. It runs from 1 till 3pm. And if people are unable to make that one, uh, the next one is on Saturday the 16th of February. Same time, 1 till 3pm, also at the Lighthouse. And if people are not able to make either of those, they can also visit our Facebook page, where we advertise all the upcoming events in the future as well. So check it all out. The West Midland South region has got lots of information all about what's happening in and around the area. And in the group itself, it's it's a case of people who have these conditions can turn up and, and, and chat, and also friends and family who are also helping them through that journey. Exactly. It's open to everyone. And it might be you end up talking shared experiences. Equally, it could just be you have a chat generally about whatever the weather happens to be doing. It, does, it there's, there's no topics of conversation which are on or off limits. Exactly. So it's a good time for everyone to get together. So uh, give us the details again of the website and the Facebook group, please. So the website for Crohn's and Colitis Charity is crohnsandcolitis.org.uk. Alternatively, you can go on Facebook and search for the South West Midlands and Wolverhampton group for Crohn's and Colitis. So Crohn's, C-R-O-H-N-S and Colitis, C-O-L-I-T-I-S. And that's yes. good. It's, not, it's bad enough having the condition, let alone having to spell them as well, isn't it? So <laughs> it's always a bit of a problem. They are tricky. <laughs> yeah. I have a really good time this coming Saturday. Great uh, social get-together. You say the next one, was it the 16th of February? 16th of February, 1 till 3pm. So uh, if you can't get today this weekend, then maybe take another opportunity. But for now, Samantha Lawrence, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Bye. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 499 next week. I'll see you then. To wrap for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.